This is No Ball Podcast, a podcast where I, Scott Hill, alongside my good friend Ben Stacy, chat all things Premier and Champions League football. While we may not be experts, we do certainly know ball. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back, one and all, to another episode of No Ball Podcast. I'm your host today, Ben Stacy, and uh, sadly today we do not have uh, Scott joining me today, so I know that probably sounded a little weird for all you, but um, we still got an episode to do. So we got a we had a midweek slate of games that we got to get through. We had the transfer window close just not even what two hours ago, so a lot of big news coming through. Um, almost too many transfers to go through, so um, I'll do my best. But um, as far as from last week or the last time that we recorded. Uh, we'll hop right into the transfer news, uh, do a little transfer round real quick. So we had Lucas Paqueta join West Ham for around $60 million. Uh, really surprising uh, signing this was, honestly. I kind of didn't see this one coming at all. I don't think anyone truly saw this one coming. Um, <laughs> you know, I only see like Lucas Paqueta just doing that, that little dance that he did when he was like just now in a West Ham shirt. It's just... Interesting signing, nonetheless. He, he's a great creator, a great distributor of the ball. Um, he had a decent goal and assist record coming out of Leon. Yeah, I think he had above 30 for the last two years. Uh, just kind of kind of a confusing one for me. West Ham kind of already have three, or he makes a third decent you know, a center attacking midfielder. Um, I don't know where he fits as far as in David Moyes' system. Um, I know that left flank is kind of open for the taking and they've been kind of playing for nows at that kind of like left-hand side. It's been like a weird makeshift, like for, I don't know. It's just, it's looked strange and for nows he's played in the middle and they've really been kind of like moving it around a little bit. But um, I mean, I think a great signing nonetheless, as far as like the quality of player, I think he'll bring a new dynamic to that West Ham side that they've been kind of, you know, wanting from Fornals and um, uh, Lanzini that Lanzini and Fornals just really haven't been bringing yet. Um, and so I, I think it'll play out decently well, but I, I just, as far as I think just they could have improved in other places that 60 million could have definitely been used for like a really good center half that, you know, they've been kind of missing out on and, I mean, what was it? They played – I know they got in Timo Kerr. Um, that he, he, he feels like a left back to me. Um, they had that starting lineup against um, – who was it? Is it last week. It was Timo Kerr, Kurt Zuma, and then they had like a, a makeshift like Aaron Quest, Cresswell, and man, I, it, was, it was confusing. But anyway, nonetheless, Paqueta to West Ham, it's on. Uh, that brings us next to Wesley Fofana and not even a little bit ago, Alba, um, Alabama Yang to Chelsea. Um, they're finally done. Uh, I mean, after all this talk of, you know, they're maybe coming, it might be on, it's off next week. It's on. I mean, Wesley Fofana is now in, in London. It's a Chelsea blue. And I think he makes this defense a hell of a lot better after the, in a pretty like shambolic performance that they had against Southampton. I mean, I think this guy slots right into a back five. I, I think Tuchel needs to get back to the back five and he, 
he definitely is going to be their destroyer. I just didn't think Koulibaly really was that coming in. And I, I'm just uh, – I'm glad this happened for Chelsea just period because this defense was going to have a long, long season if they couldn't figure it out, like with this back four. I just don't think with Reese James playing inside the back five really is his best position. He's so much better as – a you know right wing back as he's flying up the pitch. Uh, I just think that he had such a great dynamic. But um, as for Albamyang, this one just doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. A, a, a striker that you know last time that he's been in the prem, it, it didn't you know end well. And, and that's not me just being as an Arsenal fan, but like just it didn't end the way that you you know that you think it should have, you know, he, he is, he always has had some disciplinary like problems, things like that. And, you know, it, it just doesn't, this doesn't seem like this is something where it works out in the end for me, this Chelsea attack has been struggling and we've known that like, this is, this isn't new to anyone. This Chelsea attack has just not really been producing the way that it should be. And like, the first thought is like Aubameyang is, I mean, for the money, it's not horrible. I think it was around like 30 million, but I just, I don't see how this works out in the end. He might have one good year left. I think it was like a two or three year contract. I think he signed. Um, I could be mistaken. It could even be a loan for all I know, but from what I, from what I do know is that this guy has disciplinary problems and, you know, a manager that, you know, obviously Arsenal, it was more of a culture change kind of thing that like, you know, no one is bigger than the club, but like to think that Tuchel is going to put up with stuff like this, I highly doubt it. And, but they just, they're so desperate for goals up front. I mean, and, and he can, I mean, if he, if he gave Chelsea 10 goals, I think that's success, but just from where he's at, but anyway, another kind of interesting signing. This is the last one I'm going to touch on. There was so much happened. Even, Sorry, forgot to mention Zachariah also signed for Chelsea, which I thought was a very nice loan. Um, I think he can bring a nice dynamic. I I wish I had more time to talk about him, but um, I got to move on to to Billy Gilmore to Brighton. I mean, this is actually this could turn out to be a very underrated signing by the end of this year. This kid was really one of the only bright spots that Norwich had a, a season or two ago, and and he he could turn into something very special under Graham Potter. I mean, he showed just amazing skill, like, you know, just like patience on the ball. He, he could play, he could play, you know, from the attacking midfielder all the way back to the, the number six. Like he, this guy can really do it all in the midfield. He's definitely more of kind of that um old fashioned um, number eight, as far as just like he can, he's, He's a jack of all trades and a master of none. And I think just under Graham Potter, like this kid can just blossom into a fantastic player. Um, it might take some time to get him, I guess, integrated into that like Graham Potter system. And there's going to be a lot asked of him at a very young age. Um, but I think this is a fantastic move. And I think with, um, you know, he's not, he's not Basuma, but I like that at all, but, he definitely could, you know, turn into that role at 
you know, a very fast rate. And like, don't, don't be surprised if this kid is an integral part of this team by the, by hell, even the end of next month, but definitely by the end of this season. Um, as far as that goes, that's kind of the transfers for me. There's so much going on. I'm sure everyone has a take on every single transfer and all the news and all the money. And that's great and all, but you know, here at no ball, we're, we're more about the results and things like that. And the team that is um, currently not getting results um, is Chelsea football club and Thomas Tuchel. Now I could go on for, I feel like two hours about what's going on at this place. It's just another horrible performance. You know, Southampton, you know, came in. They're not, I would say, in great form, but they look good against United. Didn't get the result they needed at home. You know, and this was a, a tough stretch of games for Southampton. Like, this was by no means easy. But to to come into Stanford Bridge and just – and kind of just bully Chelsea around doesn't – it doesn't bode well for the future of this club. Now, with the signings that they brought in, maybe some change is happening. But I made this, I made this before that the transfer uh, window closed, and like wh- whoever they were going to sign. But I mean, if this was a team that was going to say Wesley Fofana didn't, you know, get over the line or anything like this, this defense is in in dire need of some help. I mean. There's there's no excuse for how poor that defense played and just how poor they looked overall. I mean, what is it? Koulibaly, he, everyone was so stoked about the Koulibaly signing. I, for one, was like, I don't, I don't see how this could fit out. And with all the losses that they had defensively, like he's going to have a lot of responsibility just defensively because Thiago's not going to be the one that's going to go up and make a big crunching tackle. Like he's more of like the sweeper of that back line. So you're asking a 31 year old Koulibaly, which granted is played in the Italian league, which is, is known for defense and hardly, you hardly see a lot of attacking prowess come out of the Italian league. Not saying that they don't have talent, but coming from Italy's defensive mindset of kind of the game and how it's played there to coming to super fast pace. I mean, he, like he just looks like a sloth out there just getting ran around. It's just that back four, it's not working. And Thomas Tuchel has, he's going to have a fire under his seat, you know, for the next few weeks. Cause he needs to get some results like this. If this was under Branovich's ownership right now, like he would, he's maybe got three weeks max to get this figured out. And I think, I've just been very critical of this team the whole summer. And and first, like, first off, I'm just going to start off with this after that little tangent is that first off the Cucurella signing was, was a surprise I think to everyone. And, and really it didn't make a lot of sense with, you know, having Ben Chilwell there, it looked like it was going to be his spot. You know, it it was, you know, who did they, who did they get rid of? Anyway, Anyway, regardless, Ben Chilwell was supposed to be in the starting spot. And, you know, they, they, after, you know, Cucurella has been linked to Man City for about a week, two, next thing you know, it, it's pretty much all, all go Cucurella, the, um, Chelsea. And, you know, he just, he's so offensively gifted 
that it, he has to play in a back five. There, he he pushes so far forward that it gives absolutely no cover, and it left Koulibaly on an island. And granted, yes, like he was left on an island, but he's got to still make tackles. Like he was just getting burnt left and right because Kukarel was so far forward. It took took him eons to get back, and like I, I know that this is like the system. And once he gets in this back five system, he'll be fine. Like defensively, he he's just fine. But he was the holes that were left in the side. It was just crazy. Like it it just it looks so bad. And that just it moves me on to my next thing is that. Kai Havertz just need he just needs to figure it out, dude. Like he if he wants to be a consistent starter in this eleven, especially without Bamiang using like joining now, like he's got to put the ball in the back in that. I I've seen countless just like almost just like dead on misses. Like I, well, it was the first game, first game of the season, and he just you know it, it's a you know he's got to catch it on the volley, but like you know you're what three yards out the six yard box, you're 10 yards out and you can't put it on goal. Like defender on your back, you have the leverage, like just put it on goal. Like just make the goalkeeper have to make a save at least. And like, it's just like the bare minimum things that just, it's not happening at this art, like Chelsea number nine spot. It's just, it just hasn't been good enough attacking wise. And Raheem Sterling for the most part is, has looked better, you know, from the start. Um, kind of looked like a like a headless chicken in those first few starts, but he, you know, he's starting to put the ball in the back of net. Granted, one was a deflection, and the other one was a tap in from the previous week. But you know, he had a decent goal in the Southampton game, and it looked like it was going to be a good start again for them. But it just it it crumbled apart. And and as for Tuchel, like the system that he's playing now with the back four, like it's just not for him. He doesn't know how to have that team function in a back four and with Kai Havertz slipping out to the left and making Raheem Sterling go to the middle. It just, it was so overloaded on that left-hand side and Cucurella pushing so far up that that right side was just barren. You know, he had Aspilicueta and Ziyech doesn't really drop back and give much of a defensive effort. So it was pretty much, uh, well, who was, who was playing the midfield that game? Uh, I couldn't even, I just know that Aspie was also left on an island. So not only did you have pretty much a back three for majority of the game, but you had Aspilicueta, which I think he's just kind of – he's just not that pace what he used to be, and especially when he's left on on one. But And then you had Koulibaly left on one on one, and it was just Thiago just left alone in the middle. So you, had, you just had one-on-ones all across the pitch, and just Adam Armstrong had – you know, that was a great goal by him. You know, great placement and all, but he there was there was no one closing him down, no effort given, and it's just I don't know. And and Tuchel's got to figure this midfield out. I, I understand that, you know, Connor Gallagher was sent off at the previous match, and he seemed to kind of be the one that was going to step into that. But like the constant rotation of this midfield, like it just it's so unbalanced. I like I don't I know Conte has been kind of struggling with injuries lately. And he would be, you know, obviously slotted straight in. And with the addition of Zachariah now, maybe he'll get this like midfield figured out. But they're they have so many just midfielders that do so much of the same thing. It, you just it's it's like you just pick and choose, and no one's getting consistent play. 
you know, the only one that's getting consistent play is Mason Mount. He's been, he's been gone. I don't know where he's been at all. It's just been another bad performance from a Chelsea side that just, you know, right now, like it'd be, I don't think it'd be dumb of me to say that they look as bad as United do right now. And United look to be kind of pushing back, you know, their form and getting some like decent results. I mean, they're two for two on wins. They beat Leicester today, but Chelsea just look so poor. It, it just, you know, they'll, they'll turn it around. I think these new signings will definitely help out a lot, but you know, if it doesn't turn around, if it doesn't turn around, like you, you'd expect Tuchel to get fired without a doubt. It just, that was so bad. And anyway, whatever, Chelsea did that game. Southampton, I mean, kudos to them. They they played very well. You know, Bella Kopchat had another great game. Uh, Joe Rebo came on. He looked solid. Um, their attack, too, looked, looked good. Their, their defensive line is the strong point of this game. Um, I forgot how the – what's his name? Salias. He's a strong, big-body center half. Uh, Kyle Walker-Peters, you know, he – came from Tottenham. He was always decent. I think honestly the big question is is that what are they doing at left back? I know they have Junepo kind of playing there right now, but they don't have like a consistent solid left back that I'm really like, you know, favoring at the moment. I mean, Junepo does a fine job. He's got good pace and he's good at like moving the ball forward. He's a very like attacking minded fullback and I know he played a little left wing, but they moved him back there. Um, but I, I think that the Southampton side, you know, as the year goes on, they're going to get better, but I, I don't think this is, could have been like a better start for them. Quite honestly, they, you know, they've put in some good performances. I mean, the results aren't there, but good performances nonetheless, but that kind of wraps that up. That little segment. I just, I just felt like I needed to say something about Chelsea. They just, I don't know. It, it, it could have, it, could be better is what I think. And under Tuchel and ever since the, the champions league win, it's just been more of a decline rather than an an increase in performances and outcomes and just expectations. Expectations for them have increased, but their, their performances and results have been on a decline. And the team looked like it was on a decline with how many people they were losing. They didn't want to bring in a lot of people in. The recruitment was questionable. They didn't get the people that they wanted. I mean, it all started out with Jules Koundé. And, and now, now that Wesley Fofana is a bad... I think, honestly, Jules Koundé and Wesley Fofana are almost like one and the same. I think they would have got him for about the same amount of money. I think Wesley Fofana... I mean... I I rate Wesley Fofana to a a top-notch degree. Like, this kid really can be a world beater if he gets put in the right system. So, anyway, regardless, I'm finally done now. I got I got to get done with this. I just – I can go on for – I don't know how long about this Chelsea side. So, with that, takes us into the Week 5 results. Now, this was a, a – I'd say a fun – you know, midweek. I don't like midweek. Midweek um, usually means a lot of rotation in the side, and especially with, you know, the World Cup coming around the corner, you know, they're going to try and get in as many games as they can. Um, but I, I, the first game starting out this weekend um, was Palace-Brentford. Um, I thought Palace were going to um, win this game, but 
Um, I don't know. They just decide to sit back once they once they get a lead. And I don't I don't quite know why. I don't know if it's a systematic thing. I don't know if it's a, a like you know a, a legs thing. They just seem to just stop trying to score and just defend out the rest of the game once they once they get a decent lead or they feel comfortable. I mean, I think this game at home against Brentford, you know, a team that is chippy and they just keep, you know, they keep pushing no matter like how dire the, the you know, the time looks or like how how weak the team looks. The team looked bad. I did not think Brentford looked very good. I think they had a um, a, a weaker game, but they, they kept pushing and, they, you know, they got their equalizer super late. And it, by that time, like Palace could have been – two three nil up with the chances they had and but it just wasn't enough and, and then at some point in the second half they just stopped pushing for it and then next thing you know it's one one and, and you lose points at home which is super disappointing um but both sides i i love watching this game was super fun to watch um i just think some notable players that really deserve some shouting out is is rico henry for one i mean that dude was all over the pitch tonight he was making a lot of great tackles. Um, there was a tackle on, I think Zaha on the right hand side while he's playing left back, and he just he, I swear he, he sprinted like sixty yards to make this tackle. It was crazy on a counter attack, and um, he pretty much locked up Elise that whole game. Um, Elise, a very like up and coming, great looking prospect. Um, you know, getting some game time tonight and like getting his chance to kind of show out and uh, I don't think he he had the best of nights so um shout out for Rico Henry there but um also another great performance from another player uh Wilfred Zaha I mean this is this guy's just been on a tear I mean he's got four and four so far and there doesn't seem to be any like slowing down and and I love what I love what he said in his you know his his postmaster presser like I just I he you can see the desire in him now with this side like at first when he first got here it kind of seemed like he didn't he didn't care and like he was waiting for kind of his big move um after United kind of happened um he kind of fell out there so then he went to like Crystal Palace and like he put in he would put in some good performances but there was a kind of a a disciplinary issue there and I think that's why the big sides never really took their shot or they did take their shot and it wasn't enough to what Crystal Palace wanted for him because he was super crucial to the side. But now it just seems like he's finally kind of gotten behind the manager. And I think that's a lot to do with what Vieira has pl- like placed into this side. And like he, and Vieira has instilled a lot of youth and a lot of great like potential in this side. Um, But overall, like, like, the game was the game was fun to watch. Should have been a Palace win, but you know Brentford hang on and grab a point. Um, as for the other games on that Tuesday slate, um, Fulham Brighton. I think this was kind of a surprising finish. It was two uh, one to Fulham. Um, Brighton just didn't look on their on their day. You know that happens sometimes in the Prem, especially on away games. It's it's tough, and I think Fulham are a dangerous side. And, and I, I think I was wrong about this Fulham side. Mitrovic and Polina are just – they're super, super good. Um, Mitrovic seems almost impossible to stop. I, he 
he's likely to probably grab a goal every game at this point. He, he is he is that good and that much of a poacher and just waiting for his moment. Like he, he's a poacher, he's a target man. You, you I mean, most of his goals so far have been headers just from crashing into defenders. But like that goal against Arsenal, like he's just he's patient, he's waiting for his moment and then bang, like once he sees a mistake, he he attacks and immediately like it just an absolute game changer Mitrovic is. Um, and a big win for Fulham there. That's another massive three points. And not saying that they would be in a relegation battle um, now, which I, I thought previously, but I mean, that's a, that's a big three points at home to, you know, help with that. If that's the case. Um, as for Brighton though, I think this is a game where Brighton just really lacked like a star. They just don't have like that one guy that you think could like really just, grab a game and just like just grab it by its neck and just really just you know um you know what i mean like like, a, like an ivan tony or like a mitrovic if mitrovic was on brighton i mean this guy would be grabbing i would say 20 goals i think with within that grand potter system i mean and just with having trissard proper marsh like those guys are dangerous creators and put ball like put the ball into dangerous like situations and the way that defense plays, I mean, you'd have to think that if they had like a, a top, top quality goal scorer, like they'd be easily top seven. Um, but that, that's it for Fulham. Fulham. Fulham looked good. Brighton didn't look that great. But, um, you know, hey, that's sometimes how the cookie crumbles. Um, so that's the next game. Southampton 2, Chelsea 1. I've already talked about it. Um it's a great goal from Lavia, um, the Belgian uh, youngster that's kind of taken over um, Romeo's spot. Um, and Belikop Chad, I mean, this kid, he's special, dude. Uh, I think in two or three years, um, he's going to be going for like 50, 70 million. Like, he is that type of quality player. Um, as long as he keeps, usually Southampton do a very good job at, um, you know, developing their youth talent. I mean, I'm not saying this guy is, you know, Virgil van Dyke, but we we might be seeing the creation of something very special with this kid. That's all I'm saying. Don't don't take it too serious. Just just watch how he plays and you can start seeing some similarities. Um, which brings us to the last game then. Um, 1-1 Leeds and Everton leads at home. Another kind of like chippy game. Um, this was, it, it just was, um, I don't know, like a lot of pushing and shoving Everton. I don't know. These, these guys, they just, they, they play an okay brand of football. They, they don't, they don't wow you in any way. Anthony Gordon, you know, grabs another goal, adds another, you know, 15 million to his, his value, you know. He's going to be sold for $135 billion by the end of this season, you know, in January or whatever. But, you know, Leeds looked good. Everton didn't really look good, but the early goal really helped Everton out there. And Leeds just – I think Leeds just like a goal scorer right now. You know, Bamford, you know, him having the injury record he has, you know, I don't know if he'll play a game again ever, like, quite honestly. Like, I don't. I just don't think he can stay in a game the whole time. Um. And as for Rodrigo, losing him was huge. Like, he he started the season so much on fire. Like, that's just a huge loss. And hopefully he can get back soon. I think he dislocated his shoulder um, 
or something along those lines. But just just a huge loss for them, and that, that's just a tough tough draw for Leeds, but I think a good draw for Everton. Everton just didn't look that great, but, you know, we move on. And this brings us to the Wednesday slate of games. So Wednesday started out with Arsenal 2, Villa 1. Um, I don't have much to really say here, honestly. I watched the game, and it was just, I think, everything that you could expect. Villa were not in great form. Arsenal are in super great form. It was another dominating performance from Arsenal. I mean, the amount of attempts they had against Villa it just was it was kind of absurd that they didn't grab more than just two. Um, Villa equalized with kind of like a, um, a a weird like corner interaction. It, it was a great ball, um, and it, it it slipped in. I, I don't know if it was touched um, by Douglas Louise. I I'm I can't quite remember it. I was I was watching it at work, so um, we're, uh, Oakland, don't don't kill me. I was watching the game a little bit, but um, yeah, just Villa didn't really look threatening, and just they they got their equalizer, and then not even what is it? Two minutes later, you know, Martinelli puts it puts it away. So two um, one win for Arsenal. Um, but big test next week, though. I, I think with the next game. Um, Next, we had Bournemouth Wolves 0-0. I mean, I think it was just a disappointing result for everyone. You know, not to score a goal, pretty boring. I didn't watch it. Um, I think even more disappointing for Wolves. I mean, that is just their start to the season has just been horrid. I, I don't, I don't love where Wolves are at right now. They really need an attacker. They didn't really invest in one. I mean, I get it. Raul Jimenez, Raul Jimenez before the injury like was a very, very good striker for them. And they had a very good attack. And, you know, you can't just rely now on Pedro Neto, especially him after coming on a after a big injury just to like, you know, light it up. I, this is a disappointing result for everyone. Honestly, Bournemouth might be happy with a point there. But, I mean, at home, I don't know. Just didn't, I don't have much to say about this game. Just Wolves just look look horrible. That, that team is just rancid. Um, it moves us on next to City 6, Forest nil. Um, I mean, did we really see this coming? Like, all right, yeah, no, City, good, Forest bad. Holland grabbed his second hat trick in, you know, a week. Probably going to grab his, his next one this weekend, you know, make it three for three in the week. But in all honesty, I mean, this city side is still super good. They put in a, a lot of, like, just mad performances lately. And I think this, you know, kind of was a statement that, hey, like, we're still, like, the best team in England. And we're not just going to, like, you know, just piss off week in and week out. Like, we're going to dominate teams and we're going to show how good we are. And that's what the city did, you know. They let Forrest know, so. Not really much else uh, to say there. And, you know, good luck to Forest next time that they play them. That's going to be rough. Uh, West Ham Spurs. This game was actually um, super interesting. Um, you know, Spurs, you know, did enough to get a point at West Ham and, like, saying that that, like, that's, you know, has a decent result. West Ham are no slouches. And I think people tend to forget, like, how good West Ham, like, truly are. Like, they were in 
you know, they were in Europe. They were in a final in Europe. They they nearly won it. I mean, I, they're they're 15 minutes away from maybe being in the Champions League. Like, but that that could have been a reality. You know, like this the side. You know, they've they've lost some some key pieces, but this side is good. Like, I think people just don't realize that sometimes because, like, you know, they're probably like one of the smaller teams. They're the smallest of the big – they're the small – I don't even think they're in the big six. They're, like, outside the big six. They're, like, the, like, ugly, like, sister of, like, seven. You know, there's, like, you know, six six sisters over here, and then there's, like, the ugly one. That's that's West Ham, you know, as the seventh. Um, <laughs> but, but anyway, Spurs are still – like, you know, this is going to be like this the whole year. Spurs probably should have won this game based on talent and just overall, like, just offensively. Spurs can line up every week and be the best team and still end up with a draw. And that's just because of the way the system they play. The system they play doesn't allow for a whole lot of opportunities, so they have to capitalize on the few that they get. So when they sit back the whole game and let teams just constantly – push and push and push and push and push. Like, these results are going to happen. And they nearly lost this game. Um, granted, it was away and, like, you know, but it's a, what, a 20-minute bus ride, you know, over, I think, what, over a river? Like, it's just, it's not, it's not like it's an away game or, like, a true away game. You're not flying anywhere. Like, the legs should be fine. You're not, you know, there's no, like, kind of, um, what is it like jet lag or anything? Like it's got a 15 minute bus ride and you know, you're going to see more results like this from Spurs. And this is probably why that they're not going to win a whole, they're not going to win much in the, in the premier league. They could win a trophy, you know, FA cup. That could be something in your alley, but I mean, you got to win these games. You got to win away from home. Like, and they had a definite, they, they had a better squad and they're in better form right now than I think than West Ham, and nearly lost three points or nearly lost, you know, the one point that they had could have been full goose egg. But anyway, West Ham played okay. They they did enough to grab their goal. They looked better later on. Uh, they've looked better since the start of this season. Um, don't be surprised if West Ham are you know finishing sixth this year because they. Once they get it together, this team can be super hard to score on and can be very physical and, you know, can take it to a lot of these big teams. So just just wait and see. Uh, that brings us to Liverpool 2, Newcastle 1. Oh, man. Wow, that was – this was a game. Um, Newcastle take an early lead. Um, through Isaac, um, new signing. I mean, that's that's a way to introduce yourself to your new fan base is scoring on at scoring at Liverpool. That that's a way to do it. So you know, new Newcastle fans are better gassed about this kid. I mean, what a signing! This kid actually, you know, he could take them to the the next level. I think with a few extra pieces to help him out, this kid could take him to the next level. Anyway, regardless about the game. Um, you know, this, it just proves again, like that 
Liverpool really needed, you know, a new signing at, at midfield. And they, and they got Arthur from Juventus on a loan with an option to buy. And he should, he, he's pretty much a, what Scott would say is a, a Walmart Thiago, which I think is pretty much spot on. Uh, still quality though. He, he should help out that midfield a little bit, but um, I thought Newcastle would win this game and I was feeling pretty good about it. I added some money on it. And I was like, this would be a big payout if they do win. And, you know, you'd expect a team like Liverpool, especially led under Klopp to, you know, fight back and, you know, at least get something out of this game, especially at home. I don't think, what is it, Virgil van Dijk, I don't think he's lost at home ever ever since he's joined Liverpool, which is, is quite the record, honestly, because, like, you know, Liverpool used to get clowned on anywhere they went back in, like, 2016, you know, so that that is quite impressive, so. But I, I know everyone's going to be talking about, you know, the added time situation and that, like, Liverpool, like, you know, they got so lucky and, like, ref ball and all this and that. Um, but we, we got to remember that, you know, these things happen in the game of football. And, it, you know, the added time isn't, isn't just set in stone. Like, you know, that's, like, why we have it. And, you know, there was moments in the added time where play also stops. So there, that also just like adds on more time. Like the added time is is a minimum. It's not like capped off. The game doesn't just end. It, like the added time is, is is a continuous flow of the game. And on top of that, like you know, Newcastle put in a great performance, but like use like you guys got to finish out the game. Like you guys just can't. You know, a lot of tired legs out there. You know. You don't have just three subs anymore. You got plenty of subs. I saw Joe Linton go down. I don't know how many times. So like, I mean, could have brought on fresh legs there at the end. Like, this isn't only like rough ball. Yes, I think that it was a little excessive. Like when I was watching the end, but at the same time, like Newcastle, like they they have to finish out the game, and, and they didn't. And Liverpool took advantage of that. And everyone's still gonna be like, you know. LeVar Pool and all this meme shit, but, like, this is a huge three points for Liverpool. I mean, like, they needed this bad. And it was, like, if they didn't win this game, I mean, at this point, you could have probably wrapped up title contender at that point. But this is a massive three points for them to get back, like, into the season that they, they needed to start out with. But, you know, because – People along the line are going to drop points. I mean, I'm sure Arsenal Arsenal might drop points this weekend. Hell if I know. Um, and even if they were in the, the title contender, great start for Arsenal regardless. But, you know, it's, it's Man City or bus at this point for me. Um, it's going to be tough sailing for any other team because I just – where do City drop points and how often do they drop points? It's very, very rare. But um, we've already seen it this year already with Newcastle. You drop points there. So, like, you got to take your opportunities when they come. And, you know, very few teams do. So that wraps up Wednesday. That brings us to Thursday. It was Leicester United. Um, I wasn't really able to catch this game. I was kind of just listening in. Um, United took an early lead through Sancho. Sancho kind of been um, – Impressing lately, you know, he, he came into the United, a lot of high expectations there. The Obviously, the value, you know, brings a lot onto that. But, um, 
Nonetheless, I mean that's that's a good win. Another you know win. Um, what was it? Was it away from home? I think it was right. Let me look. Uh, yeah, I think it was at the King Power. Yeah, it was at the King Power. I mean, hey, that's another away win. I mean, three points away from home is always a good three points. I think regardless how you get it, but I think today United were actually much the better side. Like they looked more fluid. Um, they seem to kind of have a, a system in place now under Ten Hag, and I mean, you see that. I mean, Ronaldo's not playing. It's not just you know Ronaldo FC anymore. Like you know, Ten Hag is putting a system in place, and I think. Ronaldo, you know, like I think some people are right. Like he kind of hinders that side from, you know, reaching its full potential, you know, based on his just kind of like his sights on glory and, you know, Champions League or whatever. Like he's going to go down in infamy. He's going to go down as one of the best players ever do it. I don't doubt it, if not the best. I don't think he's personally the best ever do it, but still like – Right now, he's hindering that side from being in the starting 11, and Ten Hag knows that, and I think Man United fans are starting to believe in Ten Hag through the recent results. Like, 1-0 is as cookie-cutter as it gets. So, um, But as for Leicester, I mean, Brandon Rodgers, he's got, he's got a lot of questions to answer. Um, you know, and he, he can't just, you know, blame it on the loss of Fofana now. Um not that he was, but I mean, he and the lack of signings. I think you can, for the most part, have some kind of, um, you know, argument that, you know, Brandon Rogers hasn't been back this year because, you know, the, the type of money that's been coming into the club. Um, I believe the owner is um, a, like a transportation company owner. And that's how they got most of their money. And, you know, with COVID and all that stuff and transportation being down, I think you could see why. But still, no excuse. I mean, this club was in Europe for some time. I mean, not saying that, you know, Europa League brings you money. Like, it's not just nothing. Um, it's not the big boy money. But the the lack of summer um, – the, the lack of just being active in the summer, it, it, it's kind of pathetic, honestly. This, this Lester side is way too good and and has has too much potential to be good to not invest into the side, at least a little bit. Um, but, yeah, no, it's grim days for Leicester City right now. Um, I hope that they pull it around. I think they can. I, I like Brandon Rodgers as a manager. I know he, he goes through some tough slates. Um, with teams, I mean, you saw it at Liverpool, but like, I mean, the dudes, he's proven, and you know, he 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 can turn sides around. So, um, here's hoping. But uh, that wraps up this midweek. Uh, not really a fan of midweek. I don't think anyone is, because especially in America, I think even over there, I mean, midweek games just just kind of suck. I mean, you got to go to work the next day. You know, you can't. I mean, over here, I mean, if you're working, you can't really watch it unless you're watching it recorded. And recording, I don't know, it just doesn't hit the same. Watching it live just gets the, your blood's pumping everything and just, I don't know. I, did, I, I was watching it at work, the Arsenal game, and I could, like, feel my anxiety just, like, I, I was absolutely jolted at work. And I, I remember, like, talking – to like my bosses and stuff, I was like, I can't calm down. Like I'm like, I haven't felt 
like this way about this Arsenal team in a while. And like, I, like, I just love this side. And I was just, <laughs> I'm just, I was absolutely wired after that. And I, I couldn't like calm down. I like, I had to like go take a walk outside or something. They're just like, dude, just like, <laughs> like relax. <laughs> so, um, but a great, I think just a great week. Nonetheless, I mean, constant football. So, um, which brings us to week six. Um, wow. Already week six. We're already a month and a half in. Um, so we start out with the Saturday slate, um, Everton, Liverpool. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't like the state of either team really right now, but to think that I'm going to put money or believe in the toffees, I mean, I think you'd be crazy to even think that this would be close. Um, I got Liverpool too, Everton now, um, even the state, like, I mean, I think Liverpool could be in the worst form ever. But this game means so much to like Liverpool and Everton that this Everton side just—I mean—the the defense has improved, but offensively, I—I I doubt I see you see any like real clear-cut chance that Everton really—you might get one or two, but offensively, I just—I don't see it. Still, I mean, as for Liverpool's sake, you better hope Joe Gomez isn't in that lineup. Because then, then you might actually have a problem. But other than that, Liverpool are just miles ahead of Everton at this point. So 2-0. Um, which brings us to Brentford Leeds. This one, I think this one was kind of tough. Um, Brentford are kind of in poor form right now, but have still been getting results. And Leeds are, I think, in good form. The team looks good playing-wise. But they're just not... They're just not quite there yet. I, I think it's going to take a little bit more time. The team's so young. Like, it's going to – it's it's a process, you know, at this point. It, it's kind of weird that you think that this team is, like, in a rebuild after, you know, they're not really, like – they didn't really reach, like, peak. But they, they've lost, like, a lot of, like, good talent. And, you know, under Jesse March, like, he's, he's building a system. It, it's starting. Like, you know, it's not – not going to be perfect you know they they're going to look better than some teams in games and and still lose so and i think that this might be the case um i got brentford one leads nil uh moving on uh we got chelsea west ham uh, i didn't know where to go with this game either this was um interesting but i think i think you could imagine tuchel is probably he's probably freaking out right now and i i think you can you can 100% believe Wesley Fofana are gonna, is going to be in the starting lineup, and this is going to be a back five, and Chelsea are probably going to win. It's at Stanford Bridge. Um, and as far as West Ham's defense, I'm not in love with it, and they're so they're so up and down. It, it's just not it's not where it needs to be. Um, I think as just overall as a unit, um, but still still a solid team nonetheless. Um, they got Chelsea two, West Ham one. Um, man, dude, uh, crazy amount of games here. Um, and I tough to call games, quite honestly. I mean, there, there's some games here that I just, <laughs> I, I'm just, I was just throwing results at the wall and just hoping it sticks. And, you know, it, this was a harder weekend, especially after what I've seen, um, and, and how to predict these games. I, I just, it's hard. Um, 
that brings us to Newcastle and Palace. Now, I think these are probably two of the most informed teams at the moment. Um, and th- both these teams could, I-, I think, could beat anyone. Like, on any given day, like, these two teams are really, like, that good. Um, Palace more so defensively, I think, but I think Newcastle um, might have a slight edge now with the offense with Isaac in it. Um I had a 1-1 draw. I mean, I think both teams are super quality. It, it's hard to tell. But just the way the Pals have finished games, it just hasn't. Well, I guess the same thing with Newcastle, too. I, I just got a draw. I think both teams are around the same level. I think, I mean, you could see both these teams finishing 9-10, you know, flip-flopping them. I mean, these guys are, are really – you know they're going to be pushing the top six here if they keep going on the trend that they are going on, and if they can hang on to the players, you can you can you know you can mail that in for sure. Um, next, Forest Bournemouth. Um, I Bournemouth are horrible, and you know I think Forest are, you know, they made two hundred and you know some odd signings. I mean. Uh, they could have made probably three new starting 11s with how many people they've signed into the club. But I like the amount of quality that, you know, force have over Bournemouth. It, it's kind of exponential at this point. Um, and especially Forrest being at home, I have a two nil win for Forrest. I really don't think this is going to be close. I don't think Bournemouth are going to be close to beating a lot of teams, honestly. Um, and I just don't think there's really much else to really say about Bournemouth. They're just – it's like a 20th finish, I think, um, for them this season. So the wins will be far and few between. So uh, Next brings up Spurs-Fulham. This, I honestly – this was the hardest game for me to call, honestly. Um, with the way Spurs play and the way that Fulham play – both teams don't really rely on a lot of chances to win and get results, and they also don't rely on having the ball a lot to get results. So that means that either team is going to have a lot of a lot of time with the ball for ex- like extended periods of times, which you generally equals a lot more chances. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. This could be quite easily like a six-goal thriller. Um, right now I have it 3-2 for Spurs. I think Spurs win this game. I don't think it's going to be a comfortable game. I think Fulham really pushed teams to their limit. And especially with Mitrovic on the pitch and Harry Kane on the pitch and Human Sung on the pitch, anyone is able to score at any moment. So I think this is going to be a crazy game. I think there's going to be a lot of goals. I think this is going to be definitely the game that you need to watch at that time slate, because like that game, that game might go crazy. Same with Newcastle Pals. I think those are the two. Well, also, <laughs> sorry, there are a ton of games. I think that I think you should watch all the games. I think it's great. Um, I think every game has a lot of value to bring to everyone. But I think this weekend, if if you're not watching either Chelsea West Ham, Newcastle Palace, or Spurs Fulham, I mean, I you probably just Love boring ball or something. I don't know. The, those storylines are, are super interesting to me. Um, moving on, we got Wolves Southampton. Uh, I mean, 
I think just Southampton are the better team at this point. I mean, would I, would I be wrong to say that? I, like, quite honestly, like the way that Southampton are playing, one, two, I think you could say Southampton have a better defense than Wolves now. I mean, they've lost their captain, Connor Cody. Their their best defender right now is, is Kilman. Um, and, you know, their midfield, I mean, maybe Wolves have an edge in the midfield now after sighing Nunes. Um, but offensively, I mean, <laughs> like, you have to choose between the form right now that Raul Jimenez is and, and then the form and just, like, the kind of career that Che Adams has had. I mean, there's there's not a lot of goals here. Um, but you have a defensive side like Wolves at home. You have Southampton, which are have been kind of hit or miss with the performances, but I, I just like where Southampton's at. So I, I think Southampton win this game. I don't think it's comfortable. I think it's a very – I think this could be a very boring game. I don't think a lot's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I got one now. Um, and then next we have Villa City, uh, three nil city. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Steven Gerrard's got to figure it out. And quite honestly, I mean, the, the way that they, for, for moments in the Arsenal game for Villa, they, they looked like they they had the system together that looked like it was it was going to work and it it was kind of figured out kind of quickly you know they were just kind of really packing the middle there i don't know if that was like a game related or if that was going to be continued on for the future um i have no clue but i mean they couldn't have a worse slate of games could villa i mean first the form that arsenal is in at uh, and then having City after Holland's had two hat tricks, <laughs> ouch, dude, that that is brutal. Um, but yeah, I, it's it's got to be a City win. I think everyone's got that slammed right now. I think if you if you're a betting man, I you'd put City. Uh, that finished up Saturday, brings us in the Sunday. Only two games, kind of. Um, I think due to the midweek. Um, games um and I, with you know Leicester and United they would have you know an extra day off so that's what you get you get Brighton Leicester um Leicester going to Brighton I don't think this gets any better for Brandon Rodgers I mean he's coming up against the best English manager right now available um and Potter and Brighton you know had the had the midweek result um I think that's usually typical what happens. A lot of like a lot of crazy stuff generally happens midweek games um, with the rotation of sides and things like that. Um, I got Brighton winning though. It, it's 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 probably going to be a very easy win. I think for Brighton defensively, they just lock teams up and and right now Jamie Vardy hasn't had any effect on any game. Um, Harry Barnes does look good. Um, anytime James Madison's on the field, he's a threat, but uh, this lesser scene just lock like just lacks a lot. And when you can't have, you know, Nindidi playing center back, it, it's just not going to work. So, um, I got Brighton there. This brings us to United Arsenal. And quite honestly, as an Arsenal fan, I, I'm a little, not, I wouldn't say concerned, but like I, I don't I don't know how to think about this game. United now look 
to be improved. And you always like the United name and, and the people that are associated with the team. And like, you know, I, I still have nightmares of Marcus Rashford, you know, <laughs> it's his first game and he, he's just pelting Arsenal. It's like, what, what the hell is going on, dude? Like, why are we letting this, why are we letting this kid just, just baby us? And, you know, you also have the results in like, you know, 2017 where, you know, Arsenal just absolutely dominate United. Um, you know, Arsenal United, it's always been a fun fixture. I, I think it's going to be crazy. I think it's going to be filled with goals. You know, you got the new managers, you got the new systems, everything, you know, everything's changed, but everything's still the same. Um, you know, it, it's still United Arsenal. Uh, I have 2-2 right now. I think this is going to be the first game that Arsenal drop points, quite honestly. Arsenal, like any time going United away, it's it's tough. That atmosphere, but, you know, I, I could be way off too. I, I think at the same time Arsenal could dominate this game with the form that they've been in. Now, if this was, if this was post-Liverpool game, I think Arsenal win because of the like the amount of energy that United spent playing Liverpool and like how big that game means to them. Like on like I don't think there's a bigger rivalry than United Liverpool in the Prem. And there's a lot of emotions and a lot of energy that gets spilled into that game. And I think at that point, but after, you know, a few consistent you know, starts for, you know, the United 11. It seems like, you know, the defense is kind of figuring itself out. Um, offensively, you know, Arsenal are still young, but like with Gabby Jesus, you never know. They always have a threat to score now. Martin Odegaard's really caught form. I think the only real question mark is Saka at this point. I mean, he just hasn't gotten his goal yet, but, you know, he's he's destined to start this game, I think. It, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be fun to watch. But yeah, I, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be close and you know it's gonna be a draw, but it's always always gonna be a fun event when you know the big six always line up against one another. So um yeah, that wraps it up for me. Um kind of a weird one. Uh definitely different without having uh you know <laughs> you know, my best friend here alongside me talking about the, the, the game that we love, but, um, you know, soccer goes on and, and, you know, we're, we're going to stay consistent and post as much as we can. So, um, that wraps it up here. Uh, <laughs> I'm Ben Scott, you know, I know he's here with me, but we're no ball podcast and, uh, you know, we'll see you around. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of No Ball Podcast. Ben and I would like to thank you for your support and invite you to follow us on Twitter and TikTok at NoBallPod to give us feedback and send in suggestions. Catch you around.